welcome to Sex and Spirituality. I am your host, Lauren Coletti. Thank you for joining me today. Funny story, this is the second time I'm actually recording today because today's just one of those days where I'm like so over it and I've been over it since like nine o'clock in the morning and it's only two o'clock. I am legitimately so bored out of my life and I just wish I was working or doing something productive right now. I'm totally for like self-care and resting and relaxing, but when I've been doing it for nine months straight, I'm just like, this is not fulfilling. (laughs) And if any of you have ever been unemployed, you know that like the first month or two, it's like great. feels like freedom and vacation all the time. But after a bit, you kind of just lose your bearings and don't know where your meaning lies anymore. And I'm just feeling a little lost and depressed today, not just for that reason. And I also have a pounding headache, but Also, the sun isn't out, and if you're from the tri-state area, I live in Long Island, like, the weather this summer has been horrific, and I feel like each year the weather in New York just gets shittier and shittier. It's, like, overcast, cloudy, humid, and raining every day for, like, the last month, and it's July. It's halfway through July now. And I feel like the summer is halfway over, technically. I I love the fall, so I really can't wait for the fall. But in New York, at least, the fall lasts maybe a month, and it just goes straight to winter in October. So I'm just trying to enjoy it because, fingers crossed, this is my last season here of summer and fall and winter. (laughs) In New York, I can literally not take another year here or else I will go fucking insane. But anyway, that being said, I believe this will be my last recording at 26 years old. I have so many new and exciting things planned for season three of Sex and Spirituality. Next week, I am conducting an interview, which I am very stoked for. And I just wanted, with that being said, to let everyone know that I am so open to talk with y'all. If you have any passion or you're in academia or a scholar or just have a something that drives you and a purpose and a motivation to share your story, please contact me. I'd love to chat with you. If you can relate to anything on the show, I'm sure you could bring so much wisdom and knowledge and just, I love entertaining different perspectives and seeing different viewpoints. I find that that keeps the world empathic and that's one of the most brilliant and beautiful ways to be a kind human being is to have an open mind. So I'd love to talk to you. You can check out my website to inquire about being a guest on the show. And with that being said, let's jump into today's topic, shall we? Because I've been thinking about this the last several weeks. I mean, I've been thinking about it for years, but it dawned on me recently in my relationship with Nicholas, who hopefully I will have back on the podcast, like I am my own worst enemy. So as many of you know, if you're not a first time listener, I I was in a very violent and abusive relationship and it's so hard to 
disentangle myself from that identity as an abuse survivor because that was, it, it was quite entangled in my sense of self and who I am. And I just am trying to unlearn that conditioning. However, with that being said, I was abused for several years and now I'm out of that abusive relationship. Thank God. However, Oftentimes, we are our own worst enemies, and I perpetrate this self-inflicted abuse. And I find that a lot of us do that. And in my current relationship, there is zero abuse. (laughs) My boyfriend fell out of the fucking sky, I swear. In his last life, because he's for sure an old soul, like he was definitely Buddha's son or something. He is just so wise beyond his years, and as someone that... I mean, I I don't want to say he's never experienced trauma or adversity because he has and we all have in our own way. But as someone with a background and experience like his, I like don't understand how emotionally intelligent he got to be. Like he's just everything I strive for and like I aspire to be that healthy mentally. (laughs) He's just like my role model. And with that being said, sometimes I feel like the toxic one in the relationship because I have so many dysfunctional ways of thinking and unhealthy patterns. And it comes down to this ability to like, why can't I let love in? And for me, it's been a struggle and I don't want to say a burden or a hassle, but it's been a challenge rather to let go of the barricades to vulnerability and true intimacy as many of you know, and I keep saying that, but it's probably not common knowledge if I'm being honest. I struggle with sex and intimacy and closeness. I have an insecure avoidant attachment style. And when I find myself getting resentful or pushing my boyfriend away or getting angry at my boyfriend, which he doesn't deserve because there's nothing he does for no apparent reason to make me triggered, but hey, it happens. It's all part of the recovering healing process, right? Especially if you've dated a narcissist, but I will create these stories in my head and have this narrative that I tell myself about what Nick wants. I assume what he wants, and I always assume that that person's not me. So for a while, we were going through a rough patch in our sex life, and I know you're probably listening, babe, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this, but I would refuse to have sex with Nick, not because I didn't want to per se, although I do struggle with low sex drive at times due to hormonal things and mental health and everything, but I would not have sex with him on purpose because I would assume that he would be wanting to have sex with someone else. In other words, I would not have sex with him to hold it against him so that if I didn't have sex with him long enough, he would break up with me and I would sabotage and destroy the relationship. And this whole self-fulfilling prophecy bullshit of pushing people away so that I could reject them before they reject me. And when we would have sex, I would assume that he would be picturing another woman or the woman that I wish I was. And he would be imagining or fantasizing about having sex with a girl with huge tits and a fat ass and a small little nose and big eyes and blonde hair and yada, 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 and so on and so on. And this made me so bitter 
because I was like, you motherfucker, you're wishing you were fucking someone else or you would rather be with a smaller, sexier girl than me. When in reality, he's never given me any clear evidence to think that way. So is these own assumptions, this own story and these lies that I tell myself that was making me resentful and push Nick away and not want to be intimate with him. And I realized this is probably a form of egoic, fearful self-protection, right? And I thought to myself the other day, like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm riling myself up and I'm making myself jealous and envious of someone that doesn't even exist. And I'm comparing myself to what I think Nick wants when he's given me zero evidence to believe that to be true. And on the contrary, he has given me nothing but unconditional acceptance and love. So I said, you know what, Lauren, cut the bullshit, like stop this victim mentality and try to accept love. And for me, it's been really uncomfortable to learn to accept love because I feel like I don't deserve it. And I started asking myself, what if he wants to love you? What if he really just wants to be with you and nobody else, right? Because in the past, the people I've been with have made me believe or have been led to believe that one person is never enough. People are always dreaming about cheating or wishing they could be with someone else. And men are inherently never satisfied is what I truly, truly believe deep down. Sorry, y'all. I was cut off. Anytime I try to record in a place in my house other than my bedroom, I always get interrupted because my mom is super old school and we still have a home phone and it probably rings 80 times a day. It's always telemarketers and spam. (laughs) Really irritating. So fingers crossed it will not happen because I was in a flow and it totally killed my vibe. But I digress. Have you ever felt uncomfortable when someone gives you a compliment or you change the subject, try to crack a joke or even like back up physically? And I can relate to this. Compliments make me feel so awkward (laughs) because I always feel like people are lying to me. But that's just self-projection and insecurity. But many of us, especially women, have a hard time accepting love and care and compliments. Because when we have low self-esteem or a negative self-image, a kind word from someone might contradict our own perception of ourselves and land us in an existential crisis, right? And in a relationship, sometimes, especially if we've had bad past experiences, we learn to stop letting love in after years of disappointment. We give up, right? And we shut everyone else out, good or bad. We just tune out the world around us. So over time, we often feel as if our love and who we are is invalidated. It's not good enough. It often starts in childhood or teenage years, but as an adult, since it becomes so deeply woven into who we think we are and it's ingrained in our psyches, we find ourselves unable to accept, even give love and care from others and have that reciprocated, right? You might even confront your partner with accusations of commitment phobia or infidelity And for me, this has been very 
personal. I can relate because I'm always afraid I'm going to fuck up because I, I have this belief around relationships that one person always has to get hurt. It never ends peacefully. It always ends in heartbreak and trauma. <laughs> and I know my boyfriend's not going to hurt me. So I'm convinced I'm going to be the fuck up. And I get so scared because I'm like, I've been conditioned to believe I'm such a shit person. I've been called inconsiderate and selfish my entire life. So I have this belief, this story in my head that me and Nick could be extremely happy. Everything could be perfect. But 10 years down the line, because I suck so much, I'm going to go ahead and cheat on him just because I destroy everything. And, And it scares me because I've been taught to not trust myself because I have such a a low self-worth and don't see the value of myself that I think, oh, that must be true. I ruin everything, right? And if you've had bad past experiences, allowing yourself to become close to someone, it's it's terrifying. (laughs) You might fear getting rejected, abused, or abandoned, and accepting love and care can trigger and elicit these feelings, The emotionally stoic partner is rarely able to share their internal conflict and vulnerability. Instead, they're most often likely to passively accept the ending as if it were expected, right? And a lot of us are scared to be happy or don't believe we're worthy of happiness or capable of joy. When something good does happen, we have to like shut it down because... We're just expecting something bad to happen. And we never really know why, but it's we manifest the tragedy to happen because everything outside of us is a mirror. It's a reflection of what's going on inside. And it could also feel selfish to let love in sometimes when you're an empathic person or you've been taught to put everyone's needs before your own, it might feel selfish to focus on, on you. When you've been influenced by toxic relationships to focus on other people and codependency, suddenly receiving attention and love might seem unnatural. And when there's quote unquote strings attached, when things get really serious and deep, because I can speak to this. I'm always the person that will stay for the honeymoon period. And then when the new relationship energy wears off, I'm out because things get too serious and intimate and deep. And long-term relationships might make you feel suspicious. You think that people are only being nice to you to get something in return. There always has to be a catch. Love is never given freely. Love is never achieved easily or unconditionally. Because you doubt that people are sincere or genuine or honest. (laughs) But sometimes people really just do things for you because they can, because they love you, and they don't want anything back in return. Can you fucking imagine? Mm. (laughs) And sometimes people believe that love makes you weak, right? To form healthy relationships with new people, you have to learn to allow yourselves to be transparent and authentic in front of them. And vulnerability is not a bad thing. Especially when you see how people react to your truth 
Are they supportive? Is it an adverse reaction? This could be a filter to determine if this is the right person for you. And when I think of the people that I'm the closest to, which is very few, and the people I love the most, it was it was when they decided to show me their imperfections, their humanity, and their flaws that I really began to see them. And people being vulnerable and telling me their problems, it, it, it means you're important to them, right? It can make us feel special. If you show your true colors to someone and they don't appreciate it or they don't honor or value that, it, it, it means you don't need them in your life. So what causes people who seem so unable to accept love? What, like, why does this happen? And what are some of the underlying reasons that we turn away from safe emotional havens and security? Because for me, your girl, ooh, emotional unavailability is like the sexiest thing to my victim self. Like that dark, traumatized, inner, fearful, insecure, neglected child that part of me that hates myself, there's nothing hotter than a fucking abusive, unavailable man. <laughs> and being in a stable, normal, healthy relationship sometimes could be so much more uncomfortable and scarier than being with someone who I know is incapable of loving me. And often this is caused by childhood trauma, right? When kids are raised in environments where love is dramatically paired with fear or punishment, you tend to only have two choices. And the first is to tolerate the pain in order to get the love that goes with it. And the second is to run from the pain and go without love. And these children, we grow into adults who expect that love will eventually become painful. And though you might rationally believe that the right love can triumph over a negative heartbreak, I'm a hopeless romantic, I must say. These triggers, these fears run deeper and our reactions are not always rational. The experiences we have, right, they, they cause us to be careful from the start giving the kind of love that we are denied. But then after some time passes, the shadow of fear hovers underneath. It's like the Grim Reaper lurking, <laughs> waiting for the expected negativity to emerge. And for me, at least in intimate relationships, what I'm seeing now is it can cause me to test my partner repeatedly and this has appeared as, oh, babe, like, you can go fuck other women. I don't care. You can go get your dick sucked by someone else. Like, I understand you're a man with needs. And if I can't give it to you, you're free to go elsewhere. Mm. I <laughs> talk about manipulation. <laughs> because I want to be proven right. Right? As humans, we have this confirmation bias where we seek to be proven right 
So if my boyfriend was like, all right, cool, like bet, let's have a threesome. Let's like, I'm going to go hook up with another girl. I would have been like, yep, you see, I'm right. No man is ever satisfied with what he has. And a lot of times this could also stem from pairing trust with expectation of being controlled. Hmm. People who need very little from an intimate partner tend to attract lovers who are drawn to their mysterious emotional of an, of an, why can't I fucking talk? Unavailability. There we go, Lauren. You got this. It's only Tuesday. God, please. <laughs> I'm just like dying for it to be Friday already. And when whatever they do or say doesn't seem to get through, they either leave the relationship or double their efforts to get in. If they do earn the can't let love and partners trust and gain access to their sacred interior, quote unquote, they usually want to leave a mark in some meaningful way, but not realizing that very behavior can be perceived as the ultimate betrayal. And fear of being controlled is often paired with the expectation of being absorbed into another person's being. I have commitment phobia and like fear of this too, because I feel like at least in the past relationships have caused me to lose my independence, to lose myself. And it's this fear of being stuck, fear of being trapped by obligation. You know, I am scared of nothing more than not just losing someone in a relationship because I do have a fear of grief and loss, but more so scared of ever losing myself again because I am not great with confrontation. And even though I've always been the person historically to break up, it takes me months to end things. (laughs) Leaving is not easy for me. Putting myself first and asserting my needs and communicating honestly is probably the hardest thing for me to do in relationships, hence why I am an avoidant. I'd rather just not deal with it. So it's easier to just not be in relationships. And for quite some time, I convinced myself that I really don't need love. Like I could be alone forever and be fine with it. And I think this was me trying to rationalize and make an excuse for not wanting to ever get taken advantage of again. And sometimes I doubt that I'm able to even sustain prolonged intimacy (laughs) because everything I've ever known was just surface level. It wasn't real intimacy. There's a huge, huge difference. And you might not feel safe allowing yourself to be who you truly are. So if you build up a wall that someone can't hurt you, no one can come in, right? But you deserve to be happy, and the only way to do so is allowing other people in. And we have to come to terms with and accept the consequence of relationships might not work out. Most of our relationships, if we're being real, end. 99% of our romantic relationships don't last forever. (laughs) But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have any relationship at all. And... When someone offers you love, you might be overwhelmed with the need to reciprocate, especially as a people pleaser. I call myself a reformed people pleaser because it's something I'm working on. It creates this stress and tension, right? I know for me, 
for Christmas, my boyfriend and his family got me so many gifts and it was extremely uncomfortable and overwhelming because I felt like I had to spend the same amount of money because I've been taught that in love, like you always have to one up each other. It's like keeping score. But sometimes we don't have to do anything except say thank you and appreciate people's actions. And it's okay to only give back if you feel genuinely like you want to and you feel comfortable doing so if it's warranted. So take that pressure off of yourself trying to find the perfect response. This comes down to honest communication, only speaking something when we feel moved to do so. And you don't always have to use your words, right? (laughs) Get up and make your boyfriend or girlfriend a cup of coffee or offer a massage, cook a meal. Get personal. That's what's most meaningful. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly just venting at this point, trying to collect my thoughts, but I'll boil it down to just a couple other things that I think causes this. And, and I don't even know what to call it, honestly. It's kind of like this clusterfuck where I'm just telling y'all how I feel and I'm like, does anyone feel the same way? Like, am I relatable? <laughs> or am I alone in this angst? I think that if our parents or caregivers never accepted love or showed love towards towards us, we really have no blueprint to base what a healthy exchange of giving and receiving looks like. But I think that the good news is that we can start practicing right now. And, and when you have low self-esteem and this self-concept, it kind of creates an identity crisis. If your parents or a partner have been verbally abusive, mentally abusive, any type of abuse, right, it makes it that much more challenging. And similarly, if you've left an abusive relationship where a partner belittled you, it nothing has been harder for me to transition into a relationship in which my partner is just loving and kind. And when you suffer from low self-worth, it would seem that we would crave positive praise, right? However, this type of recognition can force us to reevaluate our own image of ourselves, causing like, who the fuck am I if I'm not what everyone has told me I was throughout my entire life? Like, everything's been a lie. Do I really know who I am? What I am? So when we don't love ourselves, it's so hard to hear someone say they love us. And we have to start by letting go of the pain. Think about the past relationship that's keeping you shackled and unable to move on. I've been there. (laughs) I don't want to say I'm still there. I'd say I'm 90% there. I recently started doing EMDR. Your girl's getting emotional. I've been there and it broke my heart because for years after my relationship ended in 2017, I 
thought I really wanted to love again, but I could not love anyone else because I was so stuck and handcuffed to this past relationship and the potential that that person would come back. And I held it over my head that I could never love again because what if this person woke up one day and saw how he treated me and he felt sorry and he changed and he came back and I was with someone else that always, that always just was over my head. And how much of the self-doubt is coming from you and how much of it is coming from the voice in your head of your ex or your mom. And sometimes we let the bad in and keep the good out. We often accept flaws of other people, but reject our own good parts. So we have to free ourselves from the past, let go and forgive the past. And whether that's forgiving your mom or your ex or yourself, we have to love ourselves in order to let love in. And this takes a lot of practice. (laughs) But by letting go of the past and learning to love ourselves, we can start to accept and receive love and let love in. And I think I'm going to end it here because I'm frazzled and my mind is blown. I'm always blowing my own mind. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed this. This is super all over the place, not oriented or organized whatsoever. But it is what it is. It's like a coffee chat, like I'm talking to a friend because I really don't have many friends. But I feel like if I cloned myself, I'd probably get along with myself pretty good. (laughs) So I thank you so much for listening with me, for being here, for taking 30 minutes out of your day to listen to me. It means the world to me. I'm sending you so much love and light. And if you enjoyed this or you're related or just didn't hate it, (laughs) if this resonated with you in some way, shape or form, please feel free to like, rate, subscribe. Your support means the world to me. 